0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Rocky Star Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Argot. Thank you for joining me today on the show. On a Rocky Star Podcast, I talk sports, but I do much more than that. I actually get into the guest's background on what got them started in sports. Whether they're athletes or sports professionals, I try to dig a little bit deeper to try to help you guys out by getting some practical habits out of them, by maybe getting some experiences that might help you out in your life. Whether if you're a sports fan or not, this is the show for you. Today, I'm talking with Bob Nightingale. That's right, USA, today, USA Today's best. Bob Nightingale, baby. He's on the show today. We're talking a little bit of baseball and how he got started in baseball. He, t- he tells us why Muhammad Ali is one of his favorite athletes of all time, his connection with Bo Jackson. We talked about Tony Gwynn, and we get into what's going on in baseball today in the offseason, his experience at the World Series, and much more. Guys, please tune in to today's show. You won't regret it. Bob Nightingale. He's a legend in sports. He's covering baseball since 86. Love this guy, and I've always loved his articles. I hope you guys enjoy this one with Bob Nightingale. Before we get to the interview, here's a message from Atlas Menswear. Are you an athlete who has a hard time finding clothes that fit right? Muscular men have very few options in clothing brands, especially when it comes time to dressing up and looking nice. Atlas Menswear has the perfect solution for you. With innovative clothing made specifically for athletic and muscular men, you'll look good and feel great. Try the competitor series button up shirt with athletic stretch, room for your chest, and a flattering taper to your waist. Go to atlasmenswear.com and use promo code ROCKYSTART at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's promo code ROCKYSTART at checkout. Now, here's your order with Bob Nightingale. How's your day going, Bob?
1: Yeah, doing well, doing well. I'm in uh, Ohio right now. I Live in Phoenix, but uh, Ohio now getting ready for uh, uh, son's wedding this Saturday.
0: Well, nice, congratulations to your son. Yeah, thanks. Enjoying a little bit of vacation post World Series,
1: right? Yeah, exactly.
0: How was the World Series, by the way, this year?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was fine. It felt, you know, almost normal, except for uh, you know being on the field and being in the clubhouse afterwards. Uh, but otherwise, with with fans there, yeah, you no, know, was sold out. But they had the noise as well. So so it it felt semi normal.
0: Nice. There there wasn't really no difference between uh, this year and any other year?
1: No, I mean just the uh, you know, the fact you didn't have the the fan bases. I mean we didn't have the uh, you know the fan base obviously, you know, from the from the Dodgers and the Rays, you know, that sort of thing. And you know, I would I couldn't imagine what it would have been like in, in Tampa for that game four. You know, when the uh, – Brett Phillips had that big hit, you know, people would have gone crazy. And, of course, in L.A., people would have gone, you know, nuts at Dodger Stadium. (laughs) You know, it was was fine. It was was, well done.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic World Series. I was really happy that we had the season and it played out the way it did.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, when the Cardinals came down with the uh, outbreak and the Marlins came down with the outbreak, yeah, I wondered, uh, you know, I was traveling to Houston at the time for the Dodger Astros series, and I thought maybe I'm wasting my time. I don't even know if I'd check in a hotel because, I, you know, baseball might be on the brink right then. But, you know, everything uh, everything went smoothly after that.
0: Oh, yeah, you've been covering baseball since, I think, 86. What made you want to work in the sports career? Yeah.
1: yeah, I just always liked sports a lot as a kid. Uh, you know, never lived in a major sports city. My dad was a uh, career force. We moved every three, four years but just always liked sports and poured over the sports pages. So even in high school, it's almost like that's what I wanted to do. wasn't necessarily being a, uh, a journalist doing stuff, news side or politics or anything else, but being just being a sports writer. I mean, it wasn't just baseball. I mean, I enjoy all sports, you know, uh, you know, football and basketball as well as baseball.
0: Who were some of your favorite athletes growing up?
1: You know, I used to uh, – you know, the guy in loved basketball was uh, Doctor J Julius Irving. I, mm-hmm. I thought was the greatest. Then uh, just with it, you know, he was doing that, inventing the dunks and stuff. Well, before any, everybody else, um, Muhammad Ali was the guy. Just the way represent, uh, you know, on the, uh, you know, in the boxing ring and outside. I mean, he was the uh, he was the guy, and really, you know, such a social activist leader. You know, well, well before his time, and people, you know, talking about him now. Uh, You know, football is almost a, uh, you're talking about, you know, a Gail Sayers, Jim Brown, you know, those sort of guys, you know, in baseball, it was always, you know, Mantle, Maris, that that sort of thing. So, yeah, just a, uh, those are the guys always following the sports pages.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Muhammad Ali. I had a a baseball or a boxing writer on uh, Kevin Ioli, and he he was telling me about some Muhammad Ali stories about, like, just him back in the day. Like uh, one guy was about to jump out of a window, and he they
1: they called Muhammad Ali to defuse the situation, and the guy didn't jump out of the window. <laughs> yeah, they just wait, you know, not going to Vietnam and stuff. Just way before his time, and they uh, you know just spoke on things that nobody talked about. You know him and him and Bill Russell and, and James Brown, and and that's about a uh, you know, and that's about it. and and Athletic circles and kind of stayed that way until you know real recently with LeBron James. Uh, but yeah, in the, uh, you know I met Ali at the end, but he wasn't obviously the same guy, so I didn't have my picture taken with him like some people did. Just to, uh, you know the dimension, everything else that that set in too much.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, it's been. It's been a. It was a. He left a long way to which is like. You know, someone to never forget. He he
1: set the pathway for a lot of players. Yeah, sure did. And uh, you know, let people know it's okay to speak out and don't be afraid. And you know, this guy cost himself you know a few years of his uh, boxing career. You know, some of his greatest years. So you know, not not too many guys. If you know, if anybody you know would, would do that, you know, I know Colin Kaepernick did a degree, but not like Ali did. I mean, Ali was you know the greatest at that time, and the greatest when he came back.
0: Yeah, tremendous superstar and sacrifice that he made. Who, who was some of the? who's your favorite player that you covered in baseball?
1: Yeah, probably the most intriguing guy was Bo Jackson. I was covering the Royals when he broke in, and then we did a lot of stuff together. Uh, at the time, I was like the only guy he trusted, so we hung out, you know, all the time on the road and uh, in KC. But just a fascinating guy. Uh, you know, everybody's seen the exploits and stuff he did on the field. But you know, just stuff in the clubhouse, like you bet guy, you know, bet guys ten bucks he can jump over, you know, you know, foot, you know, six foot table, uh, shooting bow and arrows in the clubhouse, just doing crazy things. And I'm convinced he could have been, you know, he could have been a uh, all American swimmer, gymnastic uh, gymnast, whatever he could do. He said the only thing he could do is play basketball. He couldn't dribble, but he could have done anything he wanted in life. But just a uh, yeah, amazing guy. You know, married a. Uh, a woman who had a PhD in psychology and uh, you know raised two boys, so lives in Chicago. So I talk to him a uh, you know a few times a year. You know, same old, same old, Bo. Uh,
0: what, what are some stories that, uh, that with you and Bo Jackson that we might not know about?
1: Yeah, probably when the uh, when he was at Star in Kansas City. So he decides he's going to play football with the Raiders. Uh, we're in Toronto when uh, this comes out. The Royals players went nuts. They couldn't believe that the uh, the Royals were going to let him do it. So guys were talking about going. Okay, I'm going to be a bullfighter now. Well, I'm going to do the rodeo. I'm going to do all the stuff that's legal on a contract. Eventually, he warmed up to it. So, but anyway, so the baseball season's over. Bo goes to uh, the Raiders and they want me to do a, a Bo story with the Raiders. So I wander to practice field at the uh, LA Raiders practice field and Lo Cassell, which was a uh, Al Davis's right hand man. Runs over, like, what are you doing here? I explained who I am. I work for the Kansas City Star, and the the, uh, the Chiefs are going to play the Raiders in a week. And so he kind of had his uh, doubts and just said, I'm, you know, I'm a baseball writer. I'm just here. He goes, well, how long do you plan to stay? And I said, probably three or four days. Talk to his teammates. Spend some time uh, observing him practice. He says, no, this is it. you got one day only to do it. So I had to spend the next few days interviewing everybody in the uh, parking lot at the Raiders uh, practice facility. who it was just that paranoia going back then. It still is today. Uh, and, uh, you know, scouting. <laughs> oh,
0: that's hilarious. <laughs> who who uh, do you think is the best baseball player you've ever watched?
1: You know, uh, it, it's by George Brett overall, if you factor in all the things with the, uh, you know, the power that, you know, the uh, defense uh, batting average. Uh, but, you know, Tony Gwynn's right there with him. Uh, certainly Tony Gwynn's the greatest pure hitter I've ever covered. Uh, he was unbelievable. If they had shifts like you do today, you know, he probably would hit 750. But just a fun guy to be around. Certainly the most engaging athlete I've ever been around. I mean, you could do a story on one of his teammates, and you'd have a hard time squeezing one of his teammates' quotes in the story, even though it's about him, because Tony was so good talking about his teammates. So he was, uh, you know, just a uh, – a uh, pro's pro uh you know you wish everybody was like him but nobody's really close
0: yeah it was a sad day when i remember when he passed away i was like i was probably starting yeah. into baseball in the first few years and we find out that tony had passed away it's like i heard about this guy before i even heard about sports really
1: yeah i remember he was on team bus i had quit i had, uh, was coming to dodgers by then and uh you know he said hey i'm gonna retire uh you know, in a couple of weeks here and uh, he's kind of nonchalantly pulling me on the bus, Story, big news. But, yeah, just a uh, one of those guys, you show up early at the ballpark just so you could talk to him and uh, you stay late just to talk to him. So he was uh, everybody's favorite guy among the media. Uh, you know, he could have been a good good guy award, you know, every single year in, in every city uh, in every baseball city in the country.
0: Yeah, you know, hearing everyone – I hear players talk about him or or anybody, you know, he's always talked about how, how nice of a guy he is. He's kind of like a, a Kershaw in a way, just like always humble, nonchalant when you hear him in interviews.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a – an addition like him and a Kershaw is, you know, Clay will do interviews, but Tony would always be inviting reporters over. Uh, you know, just talking about everything, all sports and uh, – he would talk for hours. You know, back then, too, the clubhouse was open almost 24-7. So it's different now between the players today and, and back then. But, uh, yeah, there was there was nobody like him. Uh, maybe the closest I can think of is a, is a Tory Hunter in his days in Minnesota. But still, I mean, they, uh, I don't think he'd be anybody to like Tony Gwynn.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you there. He was, he was a one-of-the-kind guy. I love the situation that San Diego's put themselves in because it, it sort of kind of brings back up his culture.
1: Uh, yeah, it's cool to uh you know see his big statue out there and uh, in the park in the uh, outfield there. Even though uh, you know I was there for three weeks during the playoffs, you could still see it from the press box and uh, uh, you know people still taking pictures you know from afar. So yeah, just a a legendary guy there. I think you know everybody in San Diego grew up wanting to wear number nineteen because of 2020. 20-
0: Yeah. And when you broke into the industry in 86 and now you fast forward to 2020, what has changed the most in sports media for you?
1: Well, just the uh, the relationships and the access. I mean, back then, if you wanted to, you could be on the team uh, flight. You would stay in the team hotels. You would go out to restaurants with the players, go out and have drinks. Everything was off the record. You know Everything you saw, everything they talked about was off the record. You can ask them the next day if you want to talk about it. Uh, but it was just a, a huge trust. Uh, I only took it a team playing a couple of times, but there some guys in different cities took it all the time uh, you know, just because it, it, it was so easy and uh, so comfortable doing so. But now that time is gone. You Now the clubhouse is open for about 40 minutes. A lot of times nobody's in that clubhouse before him. Uh, they close that clubhouse about 45 minutes after games. Uh, you know, you rarely see players out on the road. Uh, you know, certainly you don't see players with, with meeting members, but you hardly see players out just because they're so afraid of camera phones and people seeing things. And, you know, even if a guy's having one beer for a night, you know, the last thing he wants is someone take a picture of him having a beer, saying, you know, what you doing that for? He should be in his room studying videotape, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Right, yeah, people like to uh... – glance at social media and have an opinion right
1: away. Yeah, and just you know, not knowing anything. So yeah, it really made uh made guys paranoid and uh and it's it's too bad. You'd also have back then you'd have guys in the clubhouse for, you know, three, four hours after game, sitting around drinking beers and just talking about the game itself. Uh you know, guys would jump on guys, you know, good naturedly, it was a good way to build camaraderie. And you know, reporters were Around to see it themselves, or can you know uh, listen in? You know, nowadays, of course, when the game's over, guys are at the clubhouse in twenty or thirty minutes. Don't uh, no sit around doing anything.
0: Let's see what? uh, What have you found? Any new ways to sort of in twenty twenty do like new reporting?
1: Well, you have to get guys uh, away from the ballpark. So, if the uh, the best way to get people is when they travel. When they travel, there's you know no uh things going on at home that sort of thing no commitments so if you can get a guy at his hotel say or, or a restaurant nearby uh to grab a, a lunch or a breakfast that's the easiest way now uh to get guys away from the ballpark and let them uh let them be relaxed a little bit because it's very hard to do it in a clubhouse you know by the last time i did a clubhouse lengthwise was i was doing a story a year ago when uh, garrett cole and justin berliner you know the two astros were going for the Cy Young, and they were kind enough to you know set me up with both guys so i talked about 45 minutes you know as batting practice going on with each one of them but that's it's rare for that to happen these days
0: yeah it definitely sounds like it and uh what sort of advice would you have for future sports writers trying to break into the industry
1: uh, just to build relationships, that's a big thing. I mean, uh, relationships—you can break stories. If you have relationships, you can get the best stories. Uh, you have to build a, a trust with people so they can they can tell you the real story without uh, without having to keep their guard up. Whether it's you know from their childhood or what have you, you know, the more people you talk to, the better. But to talk to those people, you almost need to get the trust from that player. To say, okay, here's my parents' phone numbers. You know, here's my, you know, my brother, my girlfriend, my best friend. That sort of thing, which leads to the best stories. Do, do you feel like
0: uh, social media and stuff help, um, and like LinkedIn sort of help you? That's how I that's how I found you initially. Do you feel that like that has a big advantage for people?
1: Well, it, it's a disadvantage in many ways because uh, there's so much negativity on it. So, you know, some players engage in it. Uh, a lot, you know, like Trevor Bauer does, a lot don't. Uh, some guys who started on it are completely off uh, just because of negativity involved. So uh, it can be a, uh, a very big hen- hindrance, really. And uh, so I think that, that social media can, can scare people.
0: Yeah, and that does make a lot of sense, especially, you know, I think it's changed within the last, like, five years. It's just, like, now everybody's pushing the social media and everybody now what's the quick reaction what's the new thing what's the old thing and so it's like i think it's hard for us to process that much information so quickly sometimes
1: yeah i mean it's a uh you know even like breaking stories before if you broke a story on a signing or uh, or a trip uh you put in the paper and be sitting up there for an entire day for people to catch up you know, even uh, news, the other newspapers couldn't catch up to the next morning, and even the TV broadcasts weren't catching up until that night. You know, nowadays, if someone breaks a story, if you're lucky, you have it for uh, about 45 seconds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I say, so Ken Rosenthal just broke that uh, angel sign, or hired the new uh, GM. They hired the Braves um, assistant GM.
1: Yeah, Perry manasian who was who's a favorite. And uh, yeah, I remember uh, texting uh, – uh, John Pino, the angel Present, say, you should look at this guy. And then, boom, here he is. So great for him. Great guy. Uh, but, yeah, the angel thing has been wide open. It's like everybody's been having that same information. And, uh, yeah, with Manasian uh, getting that job, it's like, okay, in a matter of seconds, everybody's saying, yep, it's, it's, it's Perry Manasian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, do you, what do you see the angels doing this offseason?
1: I think they got to get pitching. I think Trevor Bauer makes all the sense in the world uh they need to get a star pitcher you know another time about getting Francisco Lindor and stuff like that they got the position players but Bauer going to UCLA and everything else I think it's a perfect fit
0: yeah I know Bauer's a hometown kid and uh what do you think about them losing Alderson Simmons or do you think they're going to resign him or let him walk
1: I think let him walk uh I think he left some bad blood there too and he uh opted out with a week to go. They weren't even officially limited yet, and he walked out. You know, say so it was COVID, but a little, a little strange on the timing because only, uh, you know, five days left. So, uh, no, I think I think he's gone. Uh, and, hey, there's going to be shortstops. There's shortstops in the trade market right now. Uh, you know, if they wanted to, they can go get Marcus Simeon for a good price uh, up in Oakland. Then, of course, a year from now, you know, so who's who are shortstops, you know, from Francisco Lindor to Seager to Car- uh, to Trevor Story, you know, on and on.
0: Right, yeah. What do you think about the the Mets now that they have new owner Steve Cohen? Uh, what kind of moves do you see making them do this season?
1: I think they can do a little bit like the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers jumped into, uh, you know, big money stuff right away. I'm not sure they will. I mean, right now their payroll is already about 175, if you include uh, their arbitration guys. So I think the fact, you know, that a uh, Marcus Strom is coming back, I think it hurts her chances again, Trevor Bauer. I don't think it helps him at all. Uh, and I don't see them having, you know, three pitchers making, uh, you know, $20 million or more, Uh you know, Truman, DeGrom, and, and Bauer. So uh, I think it hurts her chances. But I think what he wants to do there, Sonny, Sandy said when he's about, that they'll build an uh, infrastructure there, that you know, and try to resemble or emulate the Dodgers where you're in the playoffs year after year. If not, you know, at least you're contending year after year.
0: Yeah, I know Brody Van Wagenen was trading, trading away a lot of uh, young prospects and to try to make this team work and, and all that. I think the the Nets are definitely going to do a reversal of that, keep their young players.
1: Yeah, and he wanted to win right away. You know, don't don't blame him. Uh, he had a lot of faith in Cano bouncing back. Edwin Diaz of course went from an all-star closer, you know, and then a uh, you know, to a struggling closer. You know, a lot of guys can't handle that limelight in New York. Uh it's one thing to close games on a Seattle when you're not even in contention to, you know, bring the bright spots or every single day, uh, New York City is a played bitch. So yeah, he gave it a run. I mean, just a, a, a two-year run. But I think this uh, this regime now with Sandy Alderson and uh, Steve Cohen will just do things on very, very methodical and thought out uh, without just rushing in and trying to buy the best creations out there.
0: Right. Do you see any trades that might surprise us this offseason?
1: Uh, I'm not sure about surprise. I mean, I think Francisco Lindor will definitely be traded. Lance Lynn will. Uh, I don't think the Cubs will get what they want for guys. You know, like a. Uh, I don't think you should be traded. I don't think they'll get what they want uh, either. Chris Bryant, but I, but I could see certainly Kyle Schwarber being traded. Uh, Nolan Arenado will definitely be shopped. Uh, we'll see if anybody bites on him because of that salary. But I think they'll make every attempt to uh to, to trade Arenado. Do
0: do you think any teams are going to go all in this offseason to try to make a run at the World Series for next year?
1: I think the most aggressive team might be the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, the Rodgers family has uh, plenty of money in there. They were kind of sniffing. Uh, Of course, they made the playoffs last year. Uh, If they get a couple of guys, you know, they could swing a trade for like your Francisco Lindor and say, you know what, we'll take our chances in one year, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. But uh, talking to people, I I can see them – being as active as anybody, I think the Giants will be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, the one thing that will stop fans from being aggressive, though, I means teams from being aggressive, is if there's no fans. So a guy like Lindor, the reason you want a guy like that is to help fill the stadium. But if you have more than a third capacity, and in Toronto's case, they can play back in the country again. You know, what, what's, what's the point? It's just for talent only. You're not going to get any money out of it.
0: Right, oh, yeah, I, I love the Blue Jays uh, stadium. They have one of the best stadiums. Who, what is one of your overall favorite stadiums to go to? Well,
1: I still like the uh, the two old ones, of course, with the uh, Fenway and Wrigley. Uh, Fenway, probably just pure stadium. Wrigley, the environment around it. But new ballparks, I think Pittsburgh's the nicest. PNC is uh, gorgeous uh, with the river. You know, Allegheny River. You look into Roberto Clemente Bridge, the skyline. Uh, gorgeous place. And I don't think. Uh, I think Target Field, Minnesota, is right behind it. Two small blueprints, two very cool places.
0: Yeah, and I love the PNC Park. It's, it's so nice and um, definitely being there on the water. It's always like when it does the, the uh, aerial view overshot, you always know it's like just one of the coolest looking stadiums.
1: Yeah, so, yeah gorgeous. Is uh, the only negative to it is you find yourself distracted. The press box is high, and you're looking at the beautiful view as the game's going on. You're not paying attention to the game because the view so a <laughs> risk.
0: yeah that's awesome what uh what i'm gonna shoot some questions at you for landing spots on these free agents and uh you're gonna get uh, guess the team where you think they might end up going you already you already talked about trevor bauer but he's never one. You,
1: you think he's Yeah, i still think Angels with bauer that's my pick there what about uh george springer i'll go uh i'll go new york mets with springer although i do i do not discount the red sox i'll go uh or, or the Blue Jays, but I'll go uh, Mets.
0: Uh, and then uh, a real, real Muto.
1: I'll go. Uh, I'll go Washington Nationals or Real Muto. I think he stays in LA's, but not Philadelphia.
0: That's a very that's a big surprise. <laughs> Everyone has yeah. the Mets on him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Mets can't have everybody. I, I think you know, if, I don't see him signing both guys, so I'll, I'll have them taking spring over Real Muto.
0: Huh, interesting. Uh, uh, I'll look out. I'll look out for that one. Uh, DJ Lemay
1: I think definitely back in the Yankees. I'd be shocked if he's not back in the Yankees. He means everything to them. They know that. He knows that. So I think back in the Yankees.
0: I think the Yankee fans would be mad if they let him walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just he means too much. And uh, Yadier Molina.
1: Uh, back to St. Louis. I mean, he means everything to the Cardinals. They're going to build a statue outside for him. He's going to. Name as a cardinal, they can't let him go. When someone offers two years at huge money, you know maybe he would leave. But I don't see anybody doing that. I think it's like a Jeter factor. When Jeter became a free agent, they said, "Go look around if you want, uh, and then come back to us." He came back, said, "Okay, I'll stay." And I think I think the same thing here with Molina.
0: Yeah, you, that's a great comparison. The Jeter factor. They give him like a three-year deal right
1: after. 51 years old, yeah, yeah. And then he came back. Uh, You know, he wanted more money. He was upset the Yankees did that. And I think Molina thing too is pride. But the bottom line is if Molina struggles for a couple weeks in New York or somewhere else, you know, he'll get booed because he's done nothing for that franchise. We're in St. Louis. He would go over 300. He still can get cheered every time. he. That's true, It
0: it helps that he's uh, brought a, a World Series there too as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's a uh, means everything to that franchise with the uh, you know, with pitchers, uh, the way he calls the game, everything. So, yeah, very valuable there. Yeah,
0: definitely one of those raw guys you just gotta love. Who who do you have winning the MVP tonight? The the results come out tonight. Who do you got?
1: Yeah, I think Freddie Freeman wins it easily, uh, over Mookie Betts in an in American leg. I think it's going to be Ramirez over Abreu. I like uh, Abreu myself. Uh, But Ramirez, he got so hot at the end. Abreu cooled off. The White Sox cooled off. I think it's going to hurt him.
0: Okay, yeah. uh, That's how I had it kind of going. And I want to hear from someone like you. Do you have a vote?
1: Yeah, I voted uh, National League MVP. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I (laughs) – when did the show come out? (laughs) uh it, the results
0: come out later tonight no no, no Dave, When does your show come out uh this will come out i'm gonna air, i'm gonna put this up right after or right after we're done okay here.
1: yeah so we're not allowed to uh, reveal who uh, we did it until the uh, vote comes out so i can't, so I, can't, so I, can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble <laughs> no, uh, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah bob is there anything else uh, you'd like to say that you haven't already said
1: uh, no just I think uh you know next year will be a fascinating year we'll see if we play 162 uh you know we'll see if there's another fight between the uh union and the, and the player and the union and the owners as far as how much pay if there's 162 games I, I think those guys will get the full salary they, they really need some fans back in because these teams took a, a huge bath last year uh and I, and I hope we do like even you know when you're talking about these awards you know it's hard to justify what they actually mean, you know. Like we're talking about Trevor Bauer finishing one, you Darvish two, Shane Bieber winning that. These guys only pitch against the central divisions, so we have no idea how tough it was to pitch in the East or the West. You know, same way with the hitters, you just you're not facing the same competition. I mean, in this case, you know, Bauer and Darvish at least had the same competition, but you know, hey, Degrom, you can argue based much tougher competition, you know, being the East. Uh, so. Uh, it, it's strange how the awards. I mean, they they should still count. They still, you know, still should mean everything. But it is different.
0: Do you think the Dodgers World Series is uh, viewed different? Is going to be viewed differently?
1: I don't. I, yeah, maybe if it was a a fluke team had won it, yes. But everybody knew this was the best team on paper. Uh, I think everything is these players had to go through with the bubble and the uh, uh, the grind, starting and stopping and starting again. So I think it should be viewed as favorable as any other season, if not more so. You know, it's a shame that Dodgers can't celebrate with the parade and everything else, but, uh, but I do think it should be viewed the same, where, where maybe the MVPs and Cy Youngs, that sort of thing, maybe you could put an asterisk in your own mind, but not for a team.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I do have one last question to ask you. Uh, do you think they're going to make the DH a, full, a full-time thing going forward?
1: I do. I mean, the union wants it badly. Uh, the owners want to have it negotiated so that they can have expanded playoffs in exchange because uh, coming at 22 anyway. So why have it just for one more year? These pitchers haven't batted. They're not going to bat again. So I would think we'd have DH next year. And I think, you know, the sooner the better, it'd be better for the teams. Guys like Marcelo Zuna, instead of having 15 teams interested, now we'd have 30, you know, same way as a, uh, a Nelson Cruz and Minnesota Twins.
0: Yeah, and uh, another guy who thrived like that was uh, Dom Smith for the the Mets. When sometimes he was being able to go in that role, and uh, he ended up showing a lot as well.
1: Yeah, it really helps the defense. You know, the guys who struggle defensively, like a Schwarber, increases his value. It really increases the value of a uh, Marcelo Zuna. I mean, the Cardinals, you know, let him go because his defense was so bad. You know, not knowing the DH, obviously, was come to the National League. So if the uh, if the DH does not come to the National League this year. I've been Atlanta lesson walk just because of that defense.
0: Right. Yeah. that's no, It's true. That's uh, going to be interesting uh, off season. We have a, a lot to go through with free agency and the collective bargaining agreement. Other.
1: Oh, yeah, and of course you got an expiring agreement in uh, you know the, the following winter. So most of the happenings next spring. I mean, <laughs> a real regular season until 2023.
0: Who knows? <laughs> I sure hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> Bob, uh, i hope you have uh, fun at your son's wedding congratulations to him and uh thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: sure my pleasure thanks man
0: i hope you guys all enjoyed that episode with legendary bob nightingale guys so much knowledge i mean just the info about bo jackson crazy stories i mean he just doesn't only know about baseball he's he's uh been covering and been around sports forever and uh you know he just has some unique perspectives and takes and uh You got to love someone like that with that kind of knowledge and that kind of transparency. Thank you so much again, Bob, for coming on the show. If you guys want to learn more about him, go check him out on Twitter and uh, go check out some of his columns over at USA Today. That was Bob Nightingale. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time.